Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Loot Cabal podcast. We have all the members of the podcast in at- attendance today. The movie for this week is uh, the Mallu super hit Angamali Diaries and the primary reviewer for this week is Adi. So Adi, take it away. Angamali Diaries, I guess by now everyone's watched it because it became a huge Greek uh, uh, critical hit uh, in 2017. It, it sort of came out of Kerala and just blew everyone away. Uh, I think the first thought that hits you uh, as, as soon as you're done with the film is it's a sheer energy. Uh, like, I mean, yes, the 11 minutes tracking shot in the end goes a long way in uh, keeping you at the edge of the seat. But if you sit back and think about it, there's just so much that happens in the film. Usually these slightly offbeat films tend to be uh, something that you say it's good or great even, but there are movies that where nothing much happens. Uh, but Angamali Diaries is so fat on the details, the plots, that it truly lives up to its title. It's it's a bunch of short stories jailed uh, uh, up together about a particular play. Like you get uh, Vincent Pepe's uh, school days, you get his two romances, you get the pork business venture and the problems they have with it. There's a murder and then there's what seems like an absolutely random uh, chain snatching event that you realize what was happening only later. Uh, and then the Litchi subplot. Uh, there's just so much happening in this film. Almost everyone is a debutant and you can't, t- and, and if you don't follow the accent, you're not a native speaker, then it, it's also difficult to uh, have a one on one understanding of who is who. And this is a film where there's a lot of content, but we can keep talking about the form because that goes a long way in, in contributing to its uh, energy. The way Pelissiri composes its shots, uh, the way he blocks his actors. And there are so many of them, uh, as I mentioned. And very rarely do you see only two people in the frame. And, and the long shots, of course. The filmmaking contributes in a major fashion for the breathless feeling you get in the end. And having watched Pelissiri's earlier films like Amen and this one and Imayo, you can see that this is a this is a very unique voice, more like a very consistent voice that, that he repeats his themes all the time. I don't know how many of us have watched at least those other two films. But he repeats the shots. He keeps going back to these kind of ensemble stories, uh, the Syrian Christian setting, and drawing humor out of the darkest events. Uh, and he doesn't even shy away from toilet humor. For example, Armin begins literally with a piece of shit. And after all this, uh, one film is completely different from the other. I'll stop here. Let others chime in. After a long time, we have a f- fucking awesome movie on the pod, Macha. <laughs> Well, that's not, I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with it because, again, it seems to have uh, uh, divided people a lot. We uh, should throw some pork shit on their face. <laughs> you really think Angamali has divided people a lot? I, I thought most people will agree with Max. No, no, okay. So let me, my, my, my uh, reading of the situation is specifically because at least two people came and said, boss, this was overhyped. And pretty much it seems because, again, at least one of them did not specify why, but the other person who told me this was turned off by all the pick slot scenes. So I think, I think that's because of it. Uh, but see, for people who want a light watch, I don't think this movie is that, right? It is not a light watch in that sense. So I don't think we have heard from too many people. Uh, so if you ask some 10, 15 people at, a, at one shot, I'm guessing about five or six people would come back and say that, you know, this was not worth the hype. I think that's where it will be. So we have to separate the film itself from the hype and then the post-hype reaction and all that stuff. Since we started talking about hype and the post-hype reaction, let me cover that first. 
there's always going to be a brand of cinema loving people who will watch and like angamali diaries right because there really is an immense amount of craft go- that has gone into the making of this movie that has gone into the sound design of this movie that has gone into the the way that the movie has been cut uh, the way that shots are framed like adi said so anyone who is really into the technical aspects of making a film will love angamali diaries and then there's the other end of the spectrum where people don't see the puppet master's hands but are able to recognize a good puppet show the people that who feel the beats of the film and feel that it's running fast and feel that they're constantly on the uh, edge of their seat and there's new information being fed to them those people will like this film so there's if you cover those two ends of the spectrum there's a critical mass of people who are sort of advocates for the film and so that i think is what generates the hype and once that hype is generated a lot of people in the middle of the spectrum start watching the movie and as always you're going to get a little bit more of a bell curve in terms of whether they like the movie or not right so i think that's what happened there so that's sort of the typical reaction to the film itself and uh, one more thing i wanted to add because actually i was going to bring this in the end but uh, since we started like a fox said it's slightly related i i think within kerala or within the Ma- malayalam cinema connoisseurs itself Angamali Diaries doesn't enjoy the kind of pedestal status that it does with the non-Malayalam community because of the way uh, the Bombay guys uh, hype the film. Uh, because I've come across people who are like tired of the praise it gets over other films. Uh, they are even sometimes embarrassed that this is the film that is keeping the Malayalam cinema flag flying for 2017. Uh, which I get, I get where they are probably coming from because of what came after. And, but I also feel that they are a bit... Uh, contrarian to the, for the heck of it because like fox said anyone who recognizes the puppet master in angamali diaries and how it is made then they know this is actually a really good piece of cinema so if any film industry you uh, you take i think a film like this one uh, deserves to be celebrated and has a lot going for it both by content and uh, cinematically speaking uh, and it doesn't lose its value because it comes from the land of riches Uh, that is Malayalam. Uh, I think it's very much a contributor to that, those rich. I am not a fan of uh, slice of life movies. We've done quite a few on the pod, uh, unfortunately, and I have never been uh, uh, thrilled by any, any of those to a very large extent. But this one, right? And th- that's why I was kind of skeptical, you know, about this. And when uh, you guys were mentioning, okay, this is Max will maybe like it. I was like, okay, this is one of the other one. Of you, you're pulling my leg. But just the two things that completely uh, change everything for me right at the start, and that and that itself, I was hooked. Was first is the Python uh, scene where uh, Benicetta is, you know, <laughs> uh, they're having uh, this, they're eating Python meat, and then dude, that first five minutes hilarious, dude. I was just laughing. I know, and I, I was watching like. Yeah, ah! I, <laughs> and and the guy who comes and asks Benicetta, yeah, I am Benicetta, and then he slaps him, saying that you you stole a python from a school fair <laughs> <laughs> exhibition. <laughs> That's why, right? There's this build up that you know he's this one very big uh, macho guy. He can you know catch pythons and kill them and cook them, and then that's why the guy uh, when the the FM minute uh, uh, shopkeeper comes to him, he says, "I will say my team will be waiting for you. Go, go, and all that." At, until that moment, you're like, "Okay, this is like you know the guy in the in the area." And then right after that, you get a first shock where he says, "Team, I don't have any team." And then right after that, this whole slapping thing happens where the cops come and the school principal or the the who are custodians come and slaps him across his face. That scene got me uh, intrigued. And the following scene where 
yeah, you have a guy dressed as Jesus. <laughs> and there are all these guys in this fancy dress. They are having a bar fight. And Ilama Ido Ido is playing in this brass band. Oh my God. That moment I was hooked to this movie. I was like, fuck it. I don't care what happens after this. These 10 minutes have redeemed everything for me. Yeah, yeah. The first 10 minutes is by far the most blockbuster opening 10 minutes I've seen in recent <laughs> It is hilarious. It is action-filled. I, I, I mean, and the yeah, as you said, no, the sagala kalavalvar. That is a that is actually the icing on the top. That that and a phenomenal opening. I mean, that scene is so crazy. Like first, first that it, it's it's a bar fight, and these people who are dressed as Jesus and these other religious symbols are in the fight. But even more surprising is the brass band version of Ilamayil uh, ido ido. It's not like they played the real one. It's a brass band version, and then that takes it to elevates it to a completely different level as they are chasing them through the streets and uh, breaking it out. I am not a Malayali, so I do understand when uh, Malayalam is being spoken. And I understand that this is a slightly different dialect from the boilerplate Malayalam. But that in itself, uh, even giving all those caveats, the film was insanely funny. Uh, and it's not just the dialogues, right? It's the moments, like uh, where they try to hustle people into getting money and the, the Babuji thing in the beginning where he just plainly steals trophies and uh, the, the little things, even uh, even Ravi and Rajan, right? So the nephew comes and says, or the nephew, uh, brother-in-law. brother-in-law, brother-in-law comes and says that they have hit, uh, hit me over, over what? Uh, rabbit meat? Rabbit meat. Plate. Last yeah. plate of rabbit meat. Last, last plate of rabbit meat. So they are, uh, I mean, they're beating him into shape. They're, they're scolding him and all that. And then uh, Rajan quietly takes his friend to the side. He's like, I know you are the one who's uh, <laughs> instigating all, all such bullshit. Next time I see this kind of thing, I'll not hit him, I'll hit you. So those kind of things feel very real and also very funny in the sense that you know that this is how people will react and this is how you have seen also in life that this is what is going to be the logical thing to it, right? However your family people fuck up, you know that it is, and and you being murderers also is not an exception. If your family people fuck up, it is only because of bad association. Even gangsters have that kind of a, that kind of a, a parental or or a family instinct. So those are the those, those little things make the film incredibly light, and also they move the even if a slice of a life film is supposed to be meandering. I mean, that is the common criticism placed against it, right? But this film solves that with humor. This film solves that with uh, a, a, a very good pacing. So the, the, I want to make a point about the humor, especially with regard to Chambin, you know, just being in the film, right? Um, the two things, you guys mentioned the two scenes, actually, that, that I think are really the, uh, the best uh, illustrations of... Uh, why the why that that sort of sense of humor is there in the film the sense of that this is the this is one of the things that the medium is the message the sense of humor is kind of typical to people in angamali is kind of the point of the film let's take for instance the two scenes that you guys mentioned the barber whose name is sebastian but they all call him sebati when they go in he's telling a story he has an enthralled audience of four or five people sitting in the barbershop listening to him and 
the time at which you cut into the scene you're led to believe that he's telling the story of real story something that really happened in nangabali or something but it turns out like a few minutes later that he's actually just giving an oral history or or, or verbalizing the story of mohanlal's blockbuster hit narasimham <laughs> so <laughs> so that's how you're sort of sent into the scene with that little bit of you know that knuckle that they call in tamil the point that that they're trying to make is that everybody in that locality has that sense of knuckle and sort of the film as as a result of that the film is taking on that character same thing with chamber vinod jose so chamber vinod jose plays himself in the film and he comes to the wedding he comes to uh, varki and uh, alice's wedding and uh, some random passer by at the wedding says chamber is like ah chamber vinod jose you're not getting any movies these days <laughs> it's like that's the first comedy says when he sees him and uh, to write that scene for yourself in the film right that means you know you're basically using that humor as a embodiment of the people in that locality and i think that, that that's what i meant when i said that the medium is the message there the humor the film is humorous only because they believe the people in angamali have that sense of nakal have that sense of satire in sort of their day to day life this is not uh, funny in the way that a sundar si film is funny or uh, in the way that a, uh, a srinivasan film is funny lijojos palisheri is not a humorist or he's not like someone who has obviously he has some humor otherwise angamali diaries wouldn't be funny but angamali diaries is funny because angamali is funny and for no other and that's sort of the main reason not because the filmmaker is funny it's because the subject is funny and i think you realize that when you watch ljp's other films right i mean it's funny in parts but it's not funny in the same way that angamali diaries is funny the other thing that i wanted to um, talk about was the references of food and food metaphors throughout the movie right right from the start where you know it starts with python meat and then in between there is the of the, the rabbit uh, meat which is an important again an important scene then there is the, uh, the 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 wedding one where you know they're going for a catering order and he lists out all the things he'll make and then lichi says are there no vegetarian <laughs> vegetable items and if you want okay i'll put uh, cabbage in the chicken curry and then there's also the uh, mention of kappa and uh, egg curry in the in the hotel so the, there's a lot of food throughout the movie that and i i found that very interesting because it, it almost at every point in time someone's eating or there is some reference to uh, food everywhere again i think that it's all a function of the the location of the film you, in a place where there's four and a half crores worth of pork uh, <laughs> i i would expect there to be some some sort of conversation about Uh, about the food of the film the 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 montage shots of all the cooking and stuff in the area is very reminiscent of salt and pepper and uh, the 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 remake versions of salt and pepper uh, in tamil and telugu that uh, uh, that prakash raj made ulavachar biryani there's a very heavy hangover of those types of shots the the, the, the shot that sort of stays with me most significantly is there's a giant agapai with holes and it's taking out of like frying oil really thinly sliced browned onions i can't get that image out of my head because my mouth is watering just thinking about it it's a re- excellent excellent montage at the start of the film you know where you see all the cuts of the food and the people and they're introduced to them hey, hey, and sprinkled throughout the movie which i found was fabulous 
Matha, we didn't talk about the coffin scene, which I actually didn't find very, very funny, though yeah, everyone says it's the best scene movie. For me, it was like, okay, it was nice only, but I don't know why. Best, best scene, it is, it is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. It and has a shock value, because you won't expect no, no, someone shot. breaking the hands of his body. No, it's Correct. also about how he's one. Short, like, like these guys are actually standing like, you know, they have nothing to do over there, but the way they come in after the whole um, practice about trying to get the coffin in, that's, that's hilarious. And it's also short and in the way that you don't know what these guys did, right? They're in the police station and you don't know why they're there. Correct. No, no. See, what makes it funnier is the insinuation that they did it after figuring out how to, uh, you know, physically how do you say, how to beat up a po- uh, a pig. These two are the ones who actually beat the pig up and to kill it. They don't cut the pig. They actually bludgeon the pig, right? And the guy, Thomas Shetan comes in and uh, tells the cop that these are the guys who killed the pigs and they were drunk and they did this here. So that's the insinuation, right? The, these guys did what they did because that's how they've been dealing with their, you know, that's their daily life. And they don't find it any different to do this to a... Uh, a dead body. And that is the only moment when the mistress shuts up <laughs> because he's, in, <laughs> he's completely in shock. Like, what the hell happened? Everybody shuts up, right? Everybody goes silent. The build-up to it is nice. I would I would give it because they try to go through the wall, you know, through the door three, four times and you're wondering, okay, what is going to happen? What's going to happen? Because they keep showing it again and again. And so that's a nice build-up. And then the, it culminates in these guys breaking through the crowd and coming and like... Uh, let me show you how this is done. This is a theme that is uh, constantly on the movie, right? Like uh, there is there is an extra bit of violence. There is actually like crazy amounts of violence, but not many people in the movie are are directly inclined to be violent. Like like when you say that Benny, right? He he gets his dirty work done by his small uh, smaller minions, and even the minion, right? Not from his gang, from some other gang. And even that minion has a has a chieftain who says, "You go, you guys go inside. If there is any problem, I come back." <laughs> right. So there is actually a great. So and even if, when you go directly, even deep into the movie, uh, there is a place where these guys are trying to hustle people and get some money. Right. They're trying to hit somebody. Right. You go and hit first. You go and hit first. Uh, let's all pray before hitting a person and all these things, right? So those kind of things are very natural because before uh, acts of violence, there is a general hesitancy among the people in itself. They all do it because I think they have been taught that this is the coolest way of life. This, this is If you live like this, if you live like Babuji in the area, you are you're the coolest person ever. And there is that uh, Rajan and Ravi kind of violence. We can, you can actually say they are, they are sociopathic. They lack the basic uh, empathy to even function. And that is even questioned in the movie itself because they get into violence so easily than Pepe and gang, right? Because Pepe and gang have never been violent uh, uh, youngsters. They are just under the tutelage of Babuji whose way of life is hustling people, right? They are more hustlers than violent gangsters, right? It is them that get caught into this kind of uh, a, a tussle with Ravi and Rajan, right? Even in the middle of the movie where uh, uh, Pepe says that we have been in all kinds of hustle, but have you ever seen us getting into police cases or have you ever seen us getting into trouble with the law? We are not like that. 
so that i mean that is a nuance that the film is making in itself even right in the beginning in the beginning shot in itself from benny to the other gang to pepe's gang and there is another gang uh, there is a fourth entity there which which is pl- plotting to kill pepe but that is revealed later right so that those people are also in the frame and they are misconstrued as benny's people by the second gang so there is a whole lot of confusion going on there macha for the rest of the movie we should stop we should refrain from using the word gang we should use the word team team yes 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 sorry yeah that was also hilarious where you know the, and there is justification because the, the babuji is actually there is there are they are a football team which also does all these things around the world but now these guys just epitomize the team part of it and they're like okay i also want a team of my own the contrast between uh, ravi and rajan and uh, pepe and team uh, is the key piece for me because pepe and team is just it's just empty bravado right they get into a few skirmishes here and there but they are not making a conscious choice to be violent uh, at any given time they uh, or in the sense that they, they don't need to be violent to survive it doesn't seem like that at least uh, and and i think the, the reason that that whole benny episode fits into the film is because benny's just another example of of a uh, of a pepe kind of person who's just got he's, he's just a little bit older right the same sort of empty bravado is, and oh i'll send somebody to beat somebody up and uh, that sort of thing it, it just exists as a the people are play acting at being violent but when you compare that with ravi and rajan ravi and rajan have made a conscious decision that they need to be violent to get what they need in this world so the first time you see them is after they've committed sort of an extremely violent act they've killed somebody and the idea is that they've crossed that line and then after some time what if you cross that line often enough the line sort of just goes away you see that same thing happen a little bit for pepe when that first bomb goes off uh, and he and he ends up killing jason by accident the line is starting to disappear for him and he starts to get concerned and that's sort of the first time you see him actually acting like there's some consequence to his actions to me that's sort of the central the two opposites in the film it's hilarious to me that uh, uh, how quickly they go from being enemies and fighting to friends to back to being enemies to back to being friends in the sense that they don't treat each other differently but they really have sort of very different backgrounds and outlooks towards life and also for me it also i really enjoy ravi and rajan's characters a lot more than pepe and team because they understand the consequence of what they're doing when they do it when when ravi throws a bomb he knows exactly why he's throwing a bomb versus when pepe throws a punch he has really no idea of the consequence of what's going to happen at the end of it that to me makes me actually like ravi and rajan more they, they, it might be make it might make them sociopathic in that sense like like you said ashoka but i i respect people who respect <laughs> the violence that they meet up as opposed to people who just meet it out and then like oh shit what do i do oh, what did i do kind of thing you know like you do, you you can't play act at being violent you know i don't know it felt very childish to me yeah yeah so i my point there what i was trying to make yeah, and i agree with you that uh, ravi and rajan know the consequences of being violent they also know that this is it for them that once they go down the business of selling pork that is their livelihood that is what they are they snatch a territory away right and they they hold that territory and they know that now once they have done that 
they have no big ambitions in life like they, they don't already to... even before the pork uh, they are the one who ki- killed babuji right so so i think they began with that yeah my favorite sequence in the film is actually there's a silent montage when pepe and team decide to start a pork business they realize the wholesalers of pork for angamali are ravi and rajan and we get like a montage of how ravi and rajan came about being right. the the wholesalers at of, of pork in angamali and you get the the transition of okay they came out from jail they were basically dealing drugs they continue to live that violent life ravi falls in love with a girl rajan helps him get that girl out of her house and ma- marry her and then then they decide oh okay crap now i have someone who's dependent on me i need to have a more stable revenue and and livelihood uh, and sort of uh, eliminate the risk of being put away in jail when i get caught for my nefarious activities and so that's when they decide okay i need a respectable business and they basically just go threaten the guy and take his pork business away from him <laughs> but so the, you see that evolution all of that happen with like little to no dialogue in like i don't know in a 2 minute span and that's really what makes the movie for me is that it's just chock full of that story but it like to me personally it felt like fuck i wish they'd focused more on ravi and rajan than on these bumbling fools of idiots who are basically pepe's team i felt like i wanted more of ravi and rajan than than i got and i wanted less of pepe and team than i got i want to be careful here so when i say could have been focused more on i also want to acknowledge that would have been a very very different movie yep. it would have been very different than what angamali diaries is today and that might not be what ljp was going for when he started to make it ravi and rajan's uh, movie would have been the vasipurish movie exactly that's where i was driving at or, or, you or say no no adugalam you you can take adugalam and set it somewhere other than madurai you can't take angamali diaries and set it some anywhere else there is no not, not angamali per se but uh, the story of ravi and rajan i'm saying so that like uh, two guys uh, resorting to crime properly lacking education resorting to crime and uh, building something for themselves snatching things that are not given to them is also ganesh gaitonde story it is also adugalam that uh, elder story uh, it is also a story of vasepur it, it is basically a gangster template but that is not angamali diaries that i agree with yeah that's right so if we if they had made ravi and rajan story it could have been set anywhere else but angamali diaries as it is today could not really have been set anywhere else and it's a preference just because i didn't like pepe's team doesn't mean angamali diaries is a bad movie cinematically it's it's really fantastic like the the techniques the amount he manages to pack in terms of information the way that he's used editing and his screenplay to be able to do that those are those things are all still pretty fantastic and and commendable the true film that i think we should compare uh, angamali diaries to and this is like really high praise right like the true film is to compare it to is is goodfellas uh henry hill in goodfellas is in, he's not he's not italian but he's in a neighborhood that's filled with italians and the people that he sees and wants to grow up and become are all gangsters uh it, it's similar it's similar for pepe there's a similar like iconic uh single frame shot the one in the copacabana in in, in goodfellas and the one like the 10 minute one in the in the pernal that ends uh, angamali diaries 
truly the film that i think rangamali diaries is uh, a rep the, the soul of good fellows is what i see in in angamali diaries uh I, I, did anybody else feel that way no, i don't know good fellows is a very sort of i only felt it the, that last 10 minute uh, climax scene it was very copolesque is what i felt but uh, yeah now that you bring it up yes, the other things also make uh, are you know sorry yeah, good hitting fellows me. that has a tracking shot yeah not just the tracking shot the, the soul in itself that park is talking about it's a very interesting comparison i mean yeah you can make that analogy actually uh, because uh, the last shot of uh, angamali diaries is him being a construction worker in dubai and he is saying that people i get calls from angamali with my old friends they are all eating uh, pork beef and they are chilling so that seems to be the aspirational value of life like being the uh, wise guys is like so to henry hill the advantage of being the wise guys is you don't have to stand in a queue you get what you want when you want it and that is the thing that i mean brings him to becoming a gangster in itself it's not the violence it's it's it is like why should you always have to wait for your turn to get what you want what is this philosophy of working hard to get what you want you get when you want it you get it and to do that you have to be one of the wise guys i think that is an aspirational value and even in angamali it's not that per se but it is chilling it is being seen cool among the crowd and that seems to drive these people to towards uh, a gangsterism approach even though in essence they are not gangsters they are also bungling fools uh, i think that is a great comparison actually ashok always you talk about work right the importance of work and things like that here also right it's, it's just like how we said everyone's end goal is to just chill have local arak and uh, pork with chili that is uh, you know everyone that's what everyone wants just to do that and uh, what, everything that they do is in a way for that uh, like right from the time they are having the cable shop he says get into the pork business you can have a better life uh, or even the ravi and rajin they get into pork business because family and all that but in the end they would just want to do that and they all are are more con- worried about just doing work so that they can have a peaceful life and which is why you know though it may seem childish like how people fight and make up easily is because at the end of the day they just want to do you know that's not what they're interested in they're not interested in fighting with each other which is why even despite killing babuji these guys are ready to go in business with them and even those guys know that these 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 this gang is the one who you know caught them and got them into the with the cops but they're still okay doing business with them because at the end of the day that's what they want and that whole Sorry. rabbit fight scene also is like i don't care dude those guys you know are two are some of my best uh, uh, whole you know i sell a lot of wholesale to them so i'm not going to pick up your stupid battles for you and uh, even the the, oh. the i'm not getting the the english word mandoli it's the uh, what is that much huh? the 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 makeup uh, or the, the the compromise the compromise there are three compromise scenes i think in the movie and all they are because at the end of the day people they just want to get over their crap you know like whether it's the um, before the bomb scene or it is with the cousins or all that it's all it's that just people just want to get done because life in angamali is not about this it's about working and enjoying uh, pork with chili and toddy at the end of the day and it is there's a fantastic scene dude that i think is for me the favorite most favorite scene in angamali itself like right after compromise right pepe comes out rajan and ravi are getting ready to leave 
and pepe stops them and says hey uh, after all this bullshit i'm going to dubai i'm going to dubai and rajan says hey you know i have a uncle there i can set you up <laughs> right <laughs> no that's no, very casual conversation right casual and it is superb it is it is brilliant it is like it is actually what we have been talking about for the last few minutes right like being cool is not is a is a non compromise that is how i want this society to be seen me right but being cool has consequences like it can go from murder to uh, police arrest or or something like that. those are the cost of doing business but being cool is is a no compromise and in the same way life has also have to life life has to move on right life has to move on as a business as a as a tra- transactional uh, activity between other human beings we should not mix things that level of clarity those people have that is like a phenomenal scene for me there's a throwaway scene at the house of the guy who died anis and like uh, that one of those cousins um, uh, the leader guy he's he's uh, consoling them and he he gives them he gives them money and th- that that is a completely different perspective like their lives are shattered but in angamali life goes on like ever and they they are actually helping the guy who killed that guy they are actually related but i think it goes back to your point about how everything in angamali is different and the angamalians themselves are more united than maybe you know even if they have families outside so but, that is a darker movie when you go go to that place and you see how their lives uh, have been uh, sh- shattered after this after the death of their son but in angamali it's completely different and this is what this is the perspective that we are going to show now no no even even see there is a there's a counter to that scene that is a beautiful counter in pepe's house itself like where they are mulling on how to raise money and his mother starts crying saying that uh, this is why i told you uh, don't get into such shit now we only have to bear uh-huh. the brunt yeah and uh, suddenly Thomas Yeah Thomas is like uh, where were your brothers when this kind of shit happened You have five brothers where are they <laughs> Yeah where are they uh, I mean it is only the people of Angamali that come to your rescue right it is the 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 value that he has built at the community comes to the rescue of a person correct then that is a uh, something that the film focuses on like and it may be the same for the guy who got murdered right in his community the community will come uh, ahead and try to take over and that is what happens also the yeah. people from his community plot the murder because they can't uh, uh, let it slide that one of them have been murdered and it is just being compromised right and and that is why they go to that extreme step as well so the focus is the, and that is why i said in the beginning also the hero of the movie is probably angamali it is not anyone else it is what happens in angamali and how angamali uh, the people of angamali form their own identity and that is what this film is mostly about rather than and, and it is presented in a brilliant way oh the women so, in the women in the movie the woman in the movie that i want to talk about is the dead man's mistress <laughs> <laughs> well, i am not sure about this but there is the whole uh, emayo is about uh, i mean it's about arranging a funeral for a Uh, for a guy and uh, he has a mistress and she comes uh, wailing and she i mean the already chaotic funeral gets even more chaotic once she joins and i think it's the same person oh you mean the mistress yeah i have to check that yeah 
when i watched it for changamali again uh, this week i realized okay this is probably the same person so so yeah women right i mean uh, i i couldn't get past uh, lichi's turn from being the you know caring elder sister vibe to you know i love you and i want to get married to you uh, uh, feed i i i couldn't digest that change is that a real name or is it like no 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 actually dinos dinos chechi yeah yeah ah. dinos chechi therefore lichi okay that's what i thought yeah yeah he explains no. that he explains that right in the start of the movie hello the the vibe given that she is an elder sister is is purely pepe's point of view she never uh, no it is it is i'm not but but you you see her behave in a very maternally way when she says no i i shaki is my student she's not like other people i've got her out go talk to her blah 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 and then when when he comes back she says you know i got her out uh, because i wanted both of you guys to talk and this is what you talk to her and push her away i mean i, I kind of interpreted it in a different way so like, uh, she is the one who is genuinely taking interest in pepe's life and she is very nosy also about it she is not she is not uh, and ananta is right ananta because even the first introduction also when all these boys ah. are going after seema she is the one who is like hey poi we go go do your do your work don't be after seema and all she is the one who scolds him also in starting scene no i see that as she her seeing herself equal to the boys i mean uh, i mean it's not like an elder sister she is obviously she is older than the boys that is true but i think that is not the way i mean she interprets her actions as well i mean not the director also it's not a matronly uh, thing at all it is i was rewatching angamali diaries this time right so i was watching it the second time and because i knew what was coming down the line for lichi and uh, pepe i the, that sort of colored the entire relationship when i rewatched it so talking about that first scene where pepe explains why they call her lichi i think her name is also uh, uh, linu's sister is called lichi or something like that and that's why her they lichi and chechi becomes lichi that, that's how she explains the name so basically when she walks past and she tells linu you need to go home she tells linu and the next person she chides is pepe she, yeah. what she says is pepe i'm going to go and complain to your mother and pepe says i need police so basically she's like get out of here i don't care uh, and so uh, the uh, she's consistently shown as uh, interested in in sort of in sort of what pepe is doing the the entire the entire performance went from looking matronly uh like uh, ananta was saying to when i rewatched it the entire theme ent- entire performance seemed coquettish uh, for me so like the the tone of it changed completely when i rewatched the film so I, it I, didn't I, feel as out of place that's how i read that thing as well i i didn't see it as a matronly thing i to be fair it it seemed odd when i watched it the first time but when i rewatched it knowing how it's going to happen the entire thing just looked coquettish that's uh, th- that's that's the way that that's the kind of thing that i wanted to uh, add there the, the most uh, the most interesting uh, female character for me in the film is actually pepe's sister and you uh, because the film is continuously in pepe's point of view you get to see uh, some very interesting things because of when uh, every time she is introduced into the scene right uh, so 
there, there's literally a scene of him sitting on his bike waiting outside his house and uh, a neighbor's wife leaves comes out of their house and he's he's basically like you know ogling the neighbor's wife and saying uh, she got married and she hasn't sort of gained any weight uh, and then he says, "Oh yeah, the, her, her husband who married her left within the week of marriage to Dubai. How is she going to gain any weight?" Like he says that, and literally immediately cuts to his sister coming out of the house and looking exactly like that wife. And then his mind goes to, "Oh crap! It's time to get this girl married, also, isn't it?" Right? It's the yeah, think about the years of dialogue. Uh, you've seen in Indian film of uh, <laughs> like it's literally that but just done more visually uh, so it uh, to me it's interesting the, the, her character and the responses she triggers in Pepe are are the uh, are, are, are sort of the the most interesting thing for me, at least from a from the standpoint of women yeah, in this film, and her uh, actions are also uh, there's also precedent for it in the very first uh, scene where their kids. Uh, it's a very usual mother son uh, angle that he brings in that one visual where he's served more putty and she's like she asked for more and she's not served any and she's like one of the mother mother decides for her and this feels away and that sort of colors what comes later and how she reacts to everything uh, in pepe's life the other thing that i want to talk about specifically in the film is the way sound is used like the the, the background when that there's the long chase scene that results in one of the bombs going off mm-hmm. uh, the fact the, the the knocking on the door leading into the beats for Ayalathe uh, Penende details. Oh, I love that scene, dude. I, I wanted to talk about it. I mean, that was a fantastic way of getting the song in, right? The situations and the sounds and everything that leads him into that romantic song. That is, that is fantastically done. Now, carry on, Park. Just wanted to. Before Park carries on, you can read more about the making of the soundtrack in Prashant Play's blog. So that's a good, interesting read that you should post. Sorry, Park. You can continue. No, I mean, to really talk about how they use sound in the film, it requires a, it requires literally a shot-by-shot shot breakdown of certain sequences in the film. It, it's kind of hard to talk about it in generalities, but the, the fact that they decide to keep the, the white noise high when, you, when in that 10-minute tracking shot at the end in the climax, because, you know, there's all, there's, there's all these... Uh, uh, fireworks in the background then so everybody's talking at an elevated level you're forced to listen it almost feels like you're there uh, and then like the true violence starts there's this constant buzzing noise in the background uh, there's a very specific design choice in terms of what is being used in the background so that's number one the second thing is you you can't make this film without some sort of internal sense of rhythm and beat it it sort of permeates through the entire film right like this guy has a uh, the film has this engine underneath it that's constantly driving things at a certain pace uh, right. and that's sort of reflected in the and that's sort of reflected in the sound and in the design so the the, the sound design to me uh, sound design to me splits into two different aspects one is sort of the choice of the sound itself 
and the pitching of it and uh, the level at which it is there in the background and then the other piece of it which is the, the the rhythm of it and the beat of it and how it sustains the movie and both of those things right like it, it's it's someone who has sort of incredible feel for you, you need a feel for you, you don't you can't you need a feel for this like it's it's tactile almost you can i don't know how else to explain it other, other than in the sense that you it's not something you write on paper i think this i'm essentially going back to what adi said at the beginning you can't imagine some of these things being written in a screenplay you, it's someone who has a, who has a, who senses uh, how the shots should be edited and uh, and how the uh, how the background score needs to be needs to play over it and stuff uh, it, it feels different than how a sort of very well designed packaged film uh, might feel uh, what that manic energy this is a this seems like a very storyboardish movie than a script level film i mean i, I don't even know how you go about writing something like angamali diaries because uh, because the whole thing is so energetic and there's so much there is actual physical pace in the movie that people keep running towards each other or keeping running away from each other so it, it I, i'm not sure if uh, uh, chemban vino then pelisseri actually wrote things or this is actually designed and visualized in a way that was finally presented to as angamali diaries that aspect reminds you of another pc film right it, it i mean this is again high praise and probably a stretch but that of the recent examples that actually i mean that actually was made like that is mad max uh, fury road like they didn't have a script and they storyboarded the whole thing and that is another film where uh, you have those uh, a pace that is consistent throughout and and a sound that that was thought about from start to finish and a similar scene a, a fantastic scene which probably illustrates your point here is that murder attempt on uh, pepe and and the chase that follows after uh, it that that whole thing from the the auto tempo rickshaw. track yeah. and auto behind the auto rickshaw and then, and then it it goes through a hotel and then it goes to the room where he this, this guy just enters and then he goes to watch this and as if nothing ever happened i think that's the scene that illustrates your point very well about how the sound is tied in uh, to the pace of the film yeah i think about i mean the, the what i was thinking about in, at least in terms of the types of films that we've covered on the pod anukokunda goroju has a very similar type of chase scene right where where right. the the cult is chasing charmi this is leaps and bounds better than that right like the the, the things that they were trying to achieve and we you know we were giving uh, kiravani uh, kudos for the way he handled That's... the music shop in that yeah. chase scene this is like a whole other level in terms of uh, the overall cinematic experience right like you can tell uh, you can tell how much cinema itself as a medium has progressed at least in an indian context if you compare the anukokunda goroju chase scene which is, i don't know what anukokunda goroju came out like 2008 yeah it's a decade uh, old yeah it's like nine, in 9 years how much the paradigm of how a chase scene is shot and visualized and and sort of delivered with the with the contextual sound has changed you, you can you can tell that difference when if you compare uh, those two chase scenes i think because when it came out i'm pretty sure the aok chase scene was kind of state of the art yeah for me that murder attempt scene is my favorite it's i like that even better than the the last climax scene the way it was and another thing i noticed much huh, is even in the shots that are stationary 
the camera is not stationary it's like there's a heavy steady cam used so where uh, what i mean like for example the barber shop right everyone's just in the barber shop but the camera is not like camera 1 2 3 here it's like it's it's the camera is moving so you feel as an audience you are moving in the barber shop along with them same way in the rabbit uh, meat fight scene you are moving with everyone in the uh, the toddy shop and that's what gives you that extra feeling of being in the moment and in the thick of things so the 11 minute tracking shot that uh, in the climax right uh, which is which everybody has been talking about uh, i mean outside this part at least uh, so that so he lijo jos peliseri talks about it there's a video that shows how they made it so that kind of explains exactly what you're talking about how they did what is the camera they used so i think that they used the camera to pretty much during the entire movie and he actually shows how in what part one particular uh, few seconds when they're running through the crowd there's somebody knocks uh, some one of the bystanders knocks into the uh, uh, cameraman and uh, there's a brief few seconds of disorientation that you see which has not been cut out because it kind of adds to the whole feel of it right before uh, it focuses on uh, anthony burgis again so that i think i think that that is a that's something that you have to go back and watch so we already spoke about the the hype and how the movie was received uh, there is another angle to that uh, having said all that about angamali deserving every hype it also belongs to a genre that probably gets translated better across industries languages and cultures it has this epic temperamental violence and gratuitous celebration of a kind of masculinity that you know that sells and the camaraderie between the boys it's easily relatable and identifiable uh, and the how it evokes all these comparisons with goodfellas and uh, wasepur uh, and that's why someone like bijoy nambiar or anurag kashyap make note of angamali diaries and go out of their way to promote it outside its confines and and that's why when so this came i think around march last year and that's why something like tondi mutalam that released later in the same year uh, there wasn't much noise about it because it is not the kind of genre or uh, grammar of cinema that these people instantly warm up to uh, the same thing again happened in uh, with uh, my nadi that came in december and nobody batted an eyelid to make the film known outside of its limited appeal and and i bring this up because its point got reinforced this year i think last month or two months before there there again uh, bijoy and gang arranged a show for a movie called uh, swatantram ardhratriyal it is produced by uh, peliseri and chamban vinod i watched the film and i mean it was all right and it but it was a very blandly presented uh, prison break story that probably had one trick up its sleeve and they made a whole film out of it with some really loud background score and and last month they arranged a screening for this film in bombay uh, making it a big deal so so that, so that kind of reinforced the point about what, what how these things get uh, more eyeballs than uh, other equally or even greater films i mean it's all right to champion what you like and what you what is closer to you and it is definitely not your anyone's responsibility to do uh, champion these films but i think some films do end up getting shafted and there is a little bit of uh, you know it's being disingenuous or a little bit of intellectual dishonesty when this kind of stuff happens i don't know about intellectual dishonesty i think it is that the wrong 
type of films tend to become the representative of the industry or of a certain type or a certain class of films right if i were to look at the evolution of malayalam cinema right starting from when tikrishi was the biggest star to when it stopped being about the stars and then it it started being about actual actors versus stars with satyan and prem nazir to then it became about being about the authors with with padmarajan and bharathan and uh, kg george and naravindan and then the entire art house movement started with adur uh, and then the whole uh, lal mamutti priyadarshan srinivasan satyanand card gang came along sibi malayal lohit das and then it 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 comes to this uh, it comes to the films that are being made today the true what i would consider the true salt of the earth malayalam films are tondi mudalum or mahesh and pradigaram basically dilish potan's films are sort of the 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 evolution that i would think about right now to be fair i i want to i want to emphasize that vijay joshpalishri should keep his voice and should make the films right, that he wants yeah. to make he absolutely should continue to do it i'm just saying he he's not the he's not the evolution of everything that came before him he's actually a true iconoclast it's quite different than from than from from sort of the homegrown masters that have come through in malayalam before he's ru- he's really truly different his sensibilities are studied and sort of taken from uh classic films from elsewhere not from the homegrown sort of methodology which i think is far more evident in say uh rajiv ravi's films or in delicious films i think we've discussed angamali diaries at length uh time for the next movie uh next episode of the lute kabal podcast will be discussing kamal hasan's vishwarupam just in time for the sequel's release in august the primary reviewer for this will be deepak 